Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Christopher Prunty. On today's episode, we are looking back at the year that was 2020. Uh, man, that was a shithole of a year, wasn't it? But there were some good moments in it. For example, our podcast. Uh, <laughs> mostly, like... 2020 is really the year where World Build With Us kind of came into its own. We started having guests and we started doing a lot more uh, listener-based uh, settings. And today, I thought it'd be nice to kind of sit down and go over some of our favorites from the previous year. And let's go ahead. And I feel like that's good enough, right? Or should I, you know, I'll, I'll shill for a little bit. I'll shill. Yeah. Uh, and remember, if you ever want to try and make it onto one of our yearly best of lists, you can always go ahead and submit a you can always submit a setting prompt to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com, or you can go ahead and shoot one to us over on Twitter at Let's World Build. And if you're feeling like you want to come hang out and be part of our world building community, you can join our Discord with a link in the description. And if you're feeling like you want to shower us with riches and praise, just save the praise and shower us in riches over at Patreon link also in the description. We're going to start out the year that was by reflecting back on some hopeful things, mostly a setting that was referred to us by listener Jason, who challenged us to create a hopeful uh, solar punk setting. So Daniel chose the Land of a Thousand Pots, and he's going to reintroduce us to the setting and tell us what he's added. Then we're going to do a world building jam to help expand upon that world even more. Daniel, take it away. Uh, one of the things I was interested in, obviously, in the solar punk setting um, is the whole concept of post scarcity um, and how this is a setting that's kind of in a future of economics that we don't fully understand because we live in a, this post capitalist kind of society. Um, so what I was thinking about was, I, I think at one point we talked about taking the, the setting intergalactic because for the most of the, most of the setting, we had it all only in one world and one particular kind of like virtual city sort of space. But I think on one of the other spinoffs of it that we had, we had it spanning across multiple worlds. And I know there was this like journey, um, that young people take, uh, that was the 12 fold path, the 12 something path. Something like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, th they... I think it was the the general conceit of that is that where people lived, no, you know, a, a number of lifetimes where yeah, they experienced multiple lifetimes so they could truly, uh, you know, broaden their horizons and experience every type of life there was to live. Yeah. So that's I wanted to work with that because I felt like if that's expanded to um, an interstellar or um, throughout the galaxy kind of setting, it's not just on this one world and they're say they're traveling from world to world to explore this um i wanted to introduce a potential like alien species that i don't know whether it would be something that's part of the original um setting or something they encounter as they travel but i was thinking an alien species that is essentially like mimetic um ships or structures so by that i mean the species um can take the form of structures or actual like starships that they travel in. Um, and they have this like psychic connection with it. Um, so that it, it, it's the mechanism by which they can have this kind of post scarcity society. So, you know, like say, you know, they're trying to colonize one of the places they're traveling to during this journey, the species that travels with them can take the shape of the buildings they inhabit, or it takes the shape of the ship they're in. Um, and perhaps they discover that this, particular species exist throughout the galaxy and that um, whatever um, group of people discovers the seedling of it, it bonds to those people or to that, that species and then develops in a way that is um, symbiotic with those travelers. So it, but perhaps the creepy alien gets out of the relationship um, and maybe it feeds off of their like collective intelligence or their memories or something. But the idea is that it bonds with them um, and it, it, it takes on the uh, ideology of the species that it bonds with. Um, 
So that's that's the concept is that having these kind of like pair bonding with this other alien species that maybe they pick up along the way or they've had in the original setting and carried with them. I know we had also like um, kind of like Digimon creatures that were paired with individuals in the setting too. I think it was in the setting. So I was thinking maybe maybe those creatures are a manifestation of that alien species that that um, humanity either has discovered or um, you know maybe they developed it in the original setting. So with this kind of uh, symbiotic uh, relationship that you've developed here, what is the ultimate goal of creating this type of mimetic plant life? Do you slash mean like, digi partner? Do you mean like for the like narratively or for like the the people who use it? Uh, both actually, because I'm curious. Like I, I'm approaching this as like this is like a sequel mm-hmm. to where we once were. And now we're, we, because, you know, what are you doing sequels? You go to space. That's just what happened. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So so what, so what exactly is the conceit with them? Are they, because I like the idea that this is a natural expansion of Mm -hmm. this kind of hopeful, uh, you know, bright part of humanity. Uh, I'm just curious as to what your thought on that is. I think from a, um, like a, a point of view of plot or like what's happening in the setting, this this the bond with this species like broadens humanity's horizons in ways they didn't think was possible before. So if you know these creatures can take the shape of your habitat or if they can take the shape of your means of travel, like you no longer need to struggle for some some basic things because they can provide for that. And so I'm thinking they have like the, the the use of them is almost like replicator in a sense because they can they can take those shapes on and they're endemic to the the setting, so they allow us to get past certain basic needs and then literally expand our horizons. So like by means of travel or because we don't have that those needs anymore. Um, but in terms of narrative, I guess it's kind of like um, suggesting that in order to achieve that, we have to have a partnership, right? With whether it's with other people or with other beings. Cause I think this whole setting is about establishing partly, um, you know, a, sim- a, a homeostasis with the earth or like, a, you know, like a, not exceeding our bounds, you know, and which is what we're doing on the earth currently. I'm picturing it kind of what you were saying as being the world ships that were in Hyperion. I'm not sure if you're yeah. familiar. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, where uh, are are you also saying that the way that it's a replicator is it forming literally what you believe it would look, or does it clearly have like an organic plant like feel? Because it's much less creepy if you say plant like rather than. <laughs> I, I think it's up to like the species that adapts it. So like I'm I'm picturing like if you're finding these in the wild, it's like a seedling that you then nurture into being something. So maybe in the solar crank setting where they started, it is plant life. But suppose like you're some warlike insectoid species and you discover one. Well, now they're going to take on a shape that complements you. I love the idea of you know it's it's a matter of you have to plant it and you have to nurture it to mm-hmm. for it to become this thing it's like a reflection yes but uh i i do have a, i do have a question chris mentioned something about the world ships from hyperion i have never read hyperion so could you explain that just a little bit uh i don't so in, in chris in, hasn't read it either Got no it. i have yeah. read it you son of a bitch <laughs> um so they they don't like giant tree things they kind of go into it in the fact that there are these Templars that have uh, tree ships and everything. They're organically made. They're all named after kind of giant trees from like mythology and everything. I think like one is called uh, Yasil. Or- oh, Yggdrasil? Yggdrasil, yeah. Yggdrasil, yeah. Um, but they go in it in the fact that they don't have to build the ships. Mm-hmm. It's mainly just grown. And I felt like there was something hinted at that the longer the ship is around the bigger that it kind of becomes so like the older ships are like the dreadnoughts whereas like weaker little ones that are still saplings are more like fighter ships or uh kind of like coverts that's kind of a that's kind of a cool idea i like that concept yeah i i also think it would be cool in this setting if the idea is eventually for it to branch out, but um, uh, to cutting that, 
<laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Branch out and kind of eventually become one with everything. Kind of like the Beast of a Thousand Backs kind of thing from Futurama, where it eventually, in not a malicious way, just becomes one with everything. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that maybe the seeds, even though they've evolved differently depending on their symbionts, um, can interconnect with each other or are interconnected. I I guess in the long term, uh, seeing how this is talking about sustainability, uh, is there any plan for the eventual heat death of the universe for these uh, seedlings? I did have the notion that they aren't. Um, only four dimensional so like you know we exist in three um, dimensions of space and one of time so maybe they're actually slightly higher dimensional and there's we were only seeing a slice of them in our universe so maybe by expanding horizons they also have the secret to surviving the heat death of the universe potentially see i'd like to think that somehow they can fight against the heat death of the universe because we're doing like full hope punk here. I want it to be like genuinely hopeful where there is always a solution even to the inevitable heat death of the universe. Like I, I like that idea for some reason. Yeah. I think that could work. All right. We'll just call it science and we'll move on uh, <laughs> to the world building jam uh, where, <laughs> where we're going to go ahead and do a quick little world building jam session within the uh, land of a thousand pots. Daniel, the, so as much as I love your idea, I do have to express some level of disappointment that uh, my pro wrestling cops weren't actually brought back into the fold. <laughs> well, weren't they the guys who had to shepherd the, the kids? They're the yeah. ones who plant the seed. <laughs> Chris just saved you, Daniel. All right, Daniel, Daniel can come back on next week's episode. That's great. <laughs> All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and roll into the world building jam session that we're going to be doing this time. And let's go ahead and create a subject. This subject is going to be an item that we're going to be messing with. And we're going to be rolling with the archetype that is a comedy. So... We now have to create an item that has a comedic edge to it in this world of a thousand pots. So what are we doing? Does it have to be related to this new element or can it be anything? It can be anything, but it helps if it's related to this new element. Or something we haven't brought up that still exists in the world. Also correct. Yeah. I think it would be neat if there were a teenage entity that... Um, needs to be i don't know if it's like not reared but needs to be like kept in check as it needs to accomplish something that might be fun explain so i, was, I mean my first thought was like okay well what if there's a, a fresh seedling that's but it's a teenager and it's bonded to like like also a teenage or young protagonist and so and they have to like solve some problem that for some reason the people in charge can't solve but they're both precocious mm -hmm. So it's like wacky adventures. So, so we can do wacky adventures slash uh, screwball sex comedy. Yes. Teen comedy drama. Okay. All right. Because I remember in some of our, in those episodes that we touched on previously, we did like stand by me as yeah. one of like the plot hooks. So why not go with like post scarcity American pie, but with less, <laughs> with less awful skeezy shit in it. Yeah, you know? like more like um, unfortunate teenage embarrassment. Is sex book okay. a term for movies? Uh, it can also, like, yeah, I mean, there's a whole subgenre. You get like porkies or meatballs. Th dude, especially in the 2000s when American Pie was popular, there were so many not like Euro Trip. Uh, do you oh, not remember man. any of that? No, I do remember it. I just never. I didn't see them as one genre, but now it makes sense. But I'm also it's, not going to Google sex ball. Nope. No, don't, don't do it. Uh, yeah, don't, don't do that. Okay. Sex so, so let's see. So, so we're, we're looking at the modern screwball sex comedy. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, I think yeah. so. All right. So, so let's take that idea then and really kind of 
implant it in the world that is Land of a Thousand Pots? How do we do that? And how do we make it specific? And how do we make it fun, more likely? Not dark. No. Well, it's an item. Let's, let's, fo- yeah, obviously. But it's an item. So let's focus on an item. Okay, okay, hold on. Let's TNG this shit and make it so there is so the problem is this team and the the symbiotic worldship that he's kind of implant he's he's bonded with yeah is just beaming out horny beams everywhere <laughs> it's trying to mate maybe oh yes yeah and and so like everyone who gets within a radius of a certain like area is just like hey how are you? And like mm. people are like desperately try this this has all of the like potential to go really dark, but not in this goddamn setting. This is gonna be fun and it's gonna be screwball, goddamn it. Also, yeah. singing is now involved. I'm making sure that that's happening. So oh maybe maybe um we should have another character who's who's, who's musical in some way. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, it's going to be an entire muse. Everyone oh, who's in with this oh, okay. Actually, we can just remove the sex part and just have the musical part instead. It's so, so it, wait, it's kind of like the man who did not like musicals that, that play, only it's good instead of evil. It, yes. So it's a musical. Yeah. It, it's, it is a... So, okay, I'm thinking in TNG specifically... There's that episode where something happens and everyone within the ship gets really drunk. They're not mm-hmm. drunk, but they act really drunk. You mean the horrible right. sex episode where uh, Tasha Yar and Data do it? You mean my favorite episode? The worst episode <laughs> of all time? No, that okay, is a my, weird episode. My, <laughs> guys, my point is that there is a field surrounding this world ship that is like affecting everyone within a world's radius, shall oh we God. say. Okay. Where everyone who's on that world is like singing and dancing and that's all there is to it, right? And so the whole the whole conceit is that the people have to find the item that turns off the musical bit. I, oh. I bet what it is is that this this creature or this the symbiont, like maybe it, it was removed too early by the person it's bonded with. And so that's why it's like kind of wacky. And so there, he's being pursued throughout his 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 what do you call it the the life path, um, because they need to get it back to where it has to grow up. But he's running away uh, with it. Okay. Yes. And also, it is Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Where they, <laughs> like instead of it being like a stand-in for capitalism, mm-hmm. uh, Audrey Audrey Two can just be like, I need Unchecked. more. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. And that's Wait, like, yeah, they yeah. can't let it run away like that because I, they're no discipline. I would also yes. like to introduce one other thing. Uh, mm-hmm. In the Buffy musical episode, how yes. people would unintentionally also sing about their feelings, feelings that they don't necessarily want to share at that moment. Yeah, oh, oh my God. Yeah. It forces them to do that because it's it's emotions and hormones are out of control. Yeah. Okay, bam, we fucking nailed it. We're moving on to the next one because the next episode that we wanted to revisit was sent to us by Lord of Chris's uh, and he wanted to talk about the Mecca episode. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and take away from that considering that you are a sub, a subordinate of the Lord of Chris's. Yeah. So we can go ahead and do that. I really like the mech episode. And it also tied back to our land of a thousand gods uh, in the fact that we said that that setting was kind of the future of land of a thousand gods and that Mm -hmm. the relics slash mecha themselves were kind of uh, the God hearts kind of misunderstood and repurposed into Mm -hmm. the mecha that they are. Yeah. the so element. every mech that we created was also a god just manifest in like, fit, you know, rocket fist punching and shit like that. Absolutely. Correct. And we also had it that the pilots that were bonding to the mecha were kind of slowly empathizing with the technology or the AI that is in fact a god heart. It made you start to uh, become compassionate to that way of thinking and also kind of 
getting you their broad experience of what would have probably been several millennia at that point. Uh, and also the adoration and following of hmm, hundreds, millions, who knows, throughout their experience. But uh, we had it that they were destroyed by the mimetic virus mm-hmm. uh, that kind of destroyed faith. Yeah, during our apocalypse episode. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just realized that we never called this what it should be, which is land of 40,000 gods. Because, oh. yeah, yeah, we, I, I look oh, back yeah. on this. And we, that's a strict missed opportunity on our end, for sure. All right. So, so Chris, been. what did you what did you bring new to the land of 40,000 gods? So I hope that this is new because, man, that would be embarrassing. Um, editing, sir. Editing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would do that for me? Thank you. Um, I I wanted to uh, have it that as empathy kind of uh, exists and siphons off, the chaotic feelings that exist within our uh, psyche and everything is still being funneled somewhere. And to, to go to your point of uh, land of... Uh, forty thousand gods, or are we are we getting an emperor? Is this is is this what's about to happen? I I did want an emperor like figure that was kind of, and also chaos gods. I wanted okay. that. So all of these pilots and uh, reliquaries uh, come together as an amalgamation of uh, consciousness, and what they do, which is similar and clearly uh stolen from 40k is that they sacrifice themselves to become one uh singular being uh and the force in the universe of building a new empire Uh, but i also wanted to be to have the other side of that that purging themselves of all these negative emotions births the polar opposite something that is made of uh hate and uh, everything wrong with pretty much humanity. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you is that we're essentially doing a divine coalescence again, but 40,000 years into the future, and this time it doesn't, there's like deep consequences for that divine coalescence. We're basically hitting that time as a flat circle shit all over again. And I, I got to say, I'm actually really digging this idea. I, lo- oh I love what God. we're doing here. So all are, are there the negative emotions, all of the primal hate, fear, and everything? That becomes the God Blob. I don't want to do the God Blob again. We no, defeated I, the God Blob, though. No, no. I, I feel it. I know, but think of it. It is a flat circle again. But you're right. Maybe not a God Blob. I do want maybe each one being a distinct being, like all of... Uh, all of these things hate become one being. See, that sounds more fun to me. I'd love to do like our version of chaos gods. I think that's what I'd rather do. So, question though. So you said there are two things happening. One is the pilots willingly sacrificing their reliquaries to make one larger one, right? Oh, well, and the pilots sacrificing uh, uh-huh. their mechs or reliquaries, but also sacrificing themselves because they're like, we're all one consciousness. Mm -hmm. Let's Mm -hmm. fuse into one. But you said that also there's runoff. So how is that runoff happening? Is it as a, as a consequence of that coalescence or is it a separate thing? It is a consequence of that coalescence. Think of it as uh, if you're combining two things and there's Mm -hmm. a third thing that's not compatible it's like extra. Yeah, okay. it kind of gets pushed off to the side. But when you're doing it with like 30 or 40 things, that mm-hmm. is a much greater sum than its parts. And I so see. it takes on a physical manifestation. Okay, cool. Chris, you know, there is one mech that we actually kind of didn't talk about. And I'm glad that we're doing it this way. Because the way that we're doing it now is that this is Voltron slash the power rangers where they all come and form into a larger mech so you've covered all of our bases with this idea sir Mm. i love that i I also like voltron and pro voltron 
it would also be neat if um the some of this isn't being done willingly because i i can imagine the more zealous um pilot slash reliquaries being up for doing this but i could also imagine like evil corporations gathering pilots together to force them into this blob you know to create that's chaos pilots. okay yes 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 that's actually the result of the four chaos gods it's mm-hmm. not like it's not like so there's the good one right. and that's the result of people who are actually all on the same page. Yeah. The corporatists, they tried to create something. They saw what happened. They're like, wow, that's really powerful. Let's force this onto our pilots. The pilots obviously are like, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> and we don't so, want to do that. <laughs> and right. And it's as a contract. result. Right. It, yeah, it, was result, in your, it was in the Mondo contract. You didn't read the fine print. What <laughs> <laughs> about fucking Mondo? <laughs> As a result of the corporate bullshit, they're like, wait, what's happening? As they are coalesced together. And instead of like this beautiful, transcendent, you know, ultra God, it's like this fucked up, hateful being that doesn't want to exist. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah that's that's I, exactly what's I going on. I also like to take a little bit of that of uh, during the one good or quote unquote good uh coalescence that that little gems of things that they broke off that are bad personality traits or non-compatible they find refuge in these other corporations that are making things that shouldn't be a match because they can kind of find a little place to nestle in there where they shouldn't exist it's just like oh these people didn't want to do this oh yeah i can i can put some hate and anger in there let me let me just squeeze in there excuse me Absolutely. Corporations found these shards, nurtured them, and then raised them. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Chris. That's is, awesome. Yeah. So is the runoff like the 40k emperor? Is that what that's turning into? Or is it some... The game? divine coalescence that was good mm-hmm. is the 40k emperor. Uh, oh, the good one. Okay. Yeah. In 40k, one of the belief things is that a bunch of really good shamans killed themselves in a sacrifice and became the emperor. Okay, so he's that—he's actually the the one that was willingly accomplished. Yeah, yeah, it's like a okay. council of people came together right. and be like, "Listen, we can I do see. a lot of good if we do this." Okay. Hey, I, I want to make this really clear to the idiots who don't get this. By the way, the the Empire of Man is not good in Fortnite. Yeah, I always thought they seemed kind of bad to me. <laughs> yeah, no, they're evil as fuck, and people are—they're the good guys because they're human. No, there's any good guys. No one are the good guys. The good guys. <laughs> no the good guys. <laughs> the cow that are supposed to be the good guys. Like, isn't it dark? So sci-fi. Yeah. You know, like, sir, I, I just needed to have that tangent because yeah. it boils my blood when it's like, what? This fascist dictatorship oh. isn't the good guy. Like, no, they're very clearly not the good guy. I, mean, honestly, I don't know anything about 40k, but it seems like the friendliest of all of them might be the orcs. <laughs> Well, for a good time. they're the most predictable. Like, yeah. you know what works are about. <laughs> right. And realistically, it could be chaos in certain aspects. Oh but, you know, or Necrons, depending on your overall... Uh, Nihilism? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Utter obliteration of the universe. Also, the ne- I, I, have, I do love the Necrons. I, I mean, think the, the Tower kind of the good, but then they rewrote them into not being good. We're getting off topic. Oh, yeah, aren't the Tower like Kotasi yeah. types? They seem good. No, they yeah, originally started out as good, but they rewrote their lore um, where maybe it's not really a choice to be good. I see. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say the Tower the closest. But, you know, what? again, Necrons are cool. That's all I know about 40K. Uh, also, angry marines and pretty marines, totally canon. Reasonable uh, marines are also good. Oh, I didn't know. I don't. We'll have to talk about this off podcast. I've never heard of reasonable marines before. Mm. That sounds antithetical to the whole marine situation. It's why they don't get along with any other chapter. Okay, okay. Off topic. Off topic. All right. So, with this being said, I feel like it's a good chance to go back into another world building jam session here as we figure out what we're going to be expanding upon in this fucking badass mecha. So the subject is going to be a monster appropriately enough. And the story that we're going to be telling is the quest. So obviously we can tie this in with um, this, this, this monster, or I'm sorry, this divine coalescence 
has been created to stop the monster. And that is what's happened. So the quest is to go and stop this monster at the edge or beginning of the universe. And and this runoff, we didn't really establish what it actually is, though, right? Because I'm kind of like, I don't want it to be another, like, um, unthinking hell blob. Like, it would be neat if it was more interesting than that. I mean, sure, Let's so let's go ahead and do that. So the quest is, this Divine Coalescence Mega Mech goes out to stop whatever it was created for. Mm. In the meantime, while it's off doing its own thing, the rest of the colonies are essentially undefended from these corporate bastards who come in and take up all of these corrupted shards of divinity. Mm. Then they create their own thing. So let's make that monster really cool. And not, as Daniel said, just a random hell blob. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just in love with the idea of an evil Voltron that's like four horrible aspects that combine into one big horrible thing. And that's not a blob. It's not a blob. You say that. You say that and my mind immediately goes to like, let's name all of the horrible aspects of like bureaucracy and exploitation. So we'll have like a four horsemen of the apocalypse and, but they all represent like- so it's like a senator, an accountant, a lawyer, and a priest. There, is what you're saying. there are good lawyers out there. I mean, <laughs> I've seen Legal Eagle. Wait, wait, wait. As, <laughs> as a uh, as a difficult thing, you also would have to think of what would be the prime negative traits of all of these good people who form together. And I, the first one that comes to mind oh, is yeah. uh, zealotry. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah, a good that's idea. A good yeah, so like show the so you show the negative of each of the good sides that emerge because they're a runoff of them, right? So it's their mm-hmm. opposite. Mm-hmm. So what would so be a, have... like a negative trait of good people? With selfishness. Yeah. I I want it to be like uh, there in, in their great great show, The Good Place. Uh, there is a character who does a bunch of really good charity work, but only does it for selfish reasons. And I like the idea that there are pilots and heroes who are only doing the piloting and the heroics for their own gain. And I feel like you can probably do something like that as yeah. well. So so selfishness, um, fear could be another one because courage might be the good. Um, and then what was the first one that we mentioned? Uh, zealotry. Zealotry. And zealotry. Yeah, zealotry. Yeah. We need one more. Let's do a fourth one. Ooh, another mm-hmm. one. Fear is also like just... It's just the most standard, but man, it's standard it for so many ways. I don't want yeah. to do anger because I think anger can be blanketed into mm-hmm. zealotry. And anger can lead to hate. So, you know, and you know what hate <laughs> oh, leads to. Oh, that leads to Well, what's writing. the other good, what's the fourth good thing? Because that's <laughs> where it will come from. Well, let, let's not, I would rather not do that, actually. So, well, actually, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it runs off from that, right? So what is the opposite of the fourth good thing? So we've got courage, piety but the opposite of that would be zealotry right uh selflessness selfless yeah right uh, and then patience uh I, I like the idea of exploitation so yeah. so like there's there's something there's something where it's um it's a freedom you know, versus yeah subjugation right yeah all right so we basically just created sauron then dope <laughs> all right <laughs> I'm fine with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fine with that too, frankly. But I like the idea that there are four of them and they're all created in a corporate lab. That's and what they, I'm interested in. Do these do this do this Voltron thing? So is it like the corporation's like, okay, the heroes are out doing their thing, let's take over the inner sphere. Um, but does here's a question I have for you guys. Like, does the machine, the, the four horsemen of the Voltron apocalypse, does it decide like, well, fuck you guys, I'm gonna do whatever I want now, and then turn on the corporation? I think it's Obviously. more of, well, it doesn't turn on the corporation like outright because it's mm-hmm. still a tool. So it would want to use their armies, their uh, influence to do things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was saying oh, obviously because it's not that they are, it, they they become the leaders of those corporations. That's oh, what okay. happens. They take yeah. over. That, that's where my brain goes. Yeah, that's a good point. Or yeah. indirectly controlling them, kind of like uh, to go back to Lord of the Rings, kind of like the oh, subordinates the elves, them, the, yeah. the men. Oh yeah, the yeah, that works too. 
and we can even have it be that there's always a bigger bad. So that yeah. works too. All right, cool. All right, well, we just made the fucking Voltron. Like the that's cool. Yeah, we can just make uh, horsemen Soltron. all day long. Yeah. I love that. It could be like Power Rangers or Voltron or you know. Oh yeah, I mean, like this is this is like such beautiful, like gushy tropeness. Just mm-hmm. gu- like I'm just guzzling it up. I'm loving all of that. So for the for the record, like I hated it, but I I actually kind of liked the new Power Rangers movie. I I salute you for even watching it. I saw that. I'm like, I'm good. I, I saw it in theaters. About that. I don't think it's what. Been... Wait, yeah. what? I did. <laughs> what? All right. Like, I knew it was going to be. Well, Daniel explains why he did this. How much I knew. I knew. Gonna... Do you have? <laughs> I knew it was going to be garbage, and I think Jordan went with me, and I was like, "We're going to watch this." And I hate the Power Rangers, but I'm going to see this, and it was actually not horrible. I mean, it was horrible, but it wasn't like it wasn't a, a unwatchably horrible. Daniel, this is like you purposefully <laughs> made a bad decision. It's like, yes. hey. I'm gonna go try this heroin real quick. You wanna come <laughs> well, just a little bit. Can overcome addiction. Just a little bit. Oh my god. It's a test of Daniel. <laughs> I was expecting it like, worse, honestly. Where were you like, is my taste really that bad? And then you went into Power Rangers. <laughs> I, I never liked the Power Rangers growing up. I thought they were kind of annoying and tedious, but I had a friend who really loved them, so I kind of watched them, but this movie for some reason I had to see it. I was always terribly confused when the scenes would obviously change. I never realized as a dumb kid that it's like, oh, it's because this three quarters of the show is filmed in Japan. (laughs) That makes sense now. Got it. (laughs) All right. Uh, We're going to, we're going to wrap up here with our recap by um, we're going to wrap up this recap by revisiting my favorite setting of this year. And man, it was tough. I have to say, like, we did a lot of really fucking banging episodes and banging settings this year. But my favorite, and I'm biased here, so I apologize in advance to everyone else. But I, my favorite setting this year was The Land of a Thousand Spices, which was actually referred to by my wife. So we're revisiting a land where a bunch of anthropomorphic animals cast spells through cooking. And that setting just brought me so much joy. I was like smiling the entire time we recorded each episode and I wanted to revisit that. And so here we are. Um, so the thing that I wanted to talk about was another type of magic, actually, that we kind of, we didn't skip over, but I thought about it afterwards and I thought it would be really cool to talk about. And we missed the preservers where they can, you know, when you have stuff like pickles or sauerkraut and whatnot, like I wanted something that there's an alchemy involved with that. And that's where you can get stuff like consumable items, right? Where if you need a potion, you have a potion in the form of a pickle of some kind, (laughs) It, like literally a pickle and i'm like oh i'm like i'm like chortling as i'm right like typing this i'm like oh. and i know it's dumb as fuck i know I, it's fine and the other thing that i was thinking about I'm like you know what this could also mean it could mean alchemical zombies and necromancers because then you're pickling entire creatures oh my god you're you're like preserving entire creatures that are undead and i was like yeah that sounds dope now canyon people is making golems yeah yeah and and rot you know like like candy and sugar is all about rot and everything like that and now we have preservers who are making potions and zombies so yeah mine's mine's real quick i almost wanted to do like pirates but i feel like we've done pirates for so many other things that i was like let's do something a little bit different this time i mean pickled zombies that just seals the deal right there i just (laughs) it just makes so much sense and it's still so absurd yes and and i was like you know what i don't want i wanted to keep the fun and joy of the setting but i also wanted to add just a little bit of darkness and i'm like yeah preserving people in pickle brine and then summoning them again. I'm like, yeah, that's dope. I want to do that. That's you cool. can have like hipster necromancers who are the kinds that like to pickle everything. 
And it's just like, to them, it's just this like, you know, edgy art they do, but really they're just fucking pickle hipsters. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's the thing. Pickling isn't necessarily inherently evil, right? It's just like what you decide to pickle. Yeah. Really <laughs> colors what you're doing. There. I would like that taken out of context and just sent to someone. Just like pickling is not inherently evil. <laughs> now, oh man. I would love to have like memorable quotes from us just all spliced together. <laughs> that would be um, um, violating our, our fifth amendment rights. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this is the two-party state. It's, actually, are we one party? Please, please. I no, think we're, we're two-party. Not that two I looked party, up okay. when I had a boss. That's that's good. <laughs> um. Oh, question. So, like, okay. So the the picklers are can be necromancers or alchemists, right? Are are candy wizards in the preservation umbrella, or are they a separate thing? I, I kind of thought of them as a separate thing because okay. candy, like right. confectioners and candy and everything like that yeah. is like an entirely different process. Right. You know? So, so, so is, like, is a candy wizard gone bad? Like, who, is that what it becomes or? No, no, no. Preserving is an entirely separate, like field of magic, you right. know, like this is more akin to like a, a mad scientist okay. more than it is like a necromancer or like a wizard or something like that. What, what other stuff can they do? Oh, sorry. I'm sad that this has been taken off of the internet for uh, personal reasons, uh, but I don't know who here has read Earthworld. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Earthworld is great. Yeah, I miss the whole magic system of there of how they explain the life access and... Uh, I forget what the other one was, but how you could combine magics of, uh, yeah, dollomancy is uh, the life axis mixed with the motion axis. In... Yeah. But I think I, I, you could have like a very detailed culinary one. And I imagine that that's probably what we're, like, that's something that is in the future. Like if we were to do like, you know, in the, in, in like the Renaissance period of the setting, there's probably advances in culinary technique that are like outside of what we're currently thinking of, you know, mm -hmm. but where we are right now, pre preservation preservers, they're basically like, Hey, we can take this spell that you want to cast and make sure that it lasts longer, but it's not as powerful, you know, like it's a consumable item. So you'll be able to use this spell later. That's like, let's say that you cook deviled eggs or something like that. Bam. <laughs> Are kimchi, um, kimchi picklers, preserver wizards? Yep. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. You got kimchi, you got tofu, you got, um, like all sorts of brine. Oh, 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 uh, you have, uh, herring and, and fish preservers and stuff Ew. like that as well. Jam. Fermenting J yeah. a form of, per this is oh, now just becoming a culinary blog. Yes, absolutely. That again, smiles, joy. That's what I want to talk about when I talk about this shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and, and so really, I mean, we were really loose with what the spells actually did, except for the fact that they only affected the person who ingested them. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you were to consume like pickled fish or pickled herring, for example, why couldn't that just let you swim or breathe underwater? Oh, really? Perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's simple. It's simple twists like that or like deviled eggs. You could just, there's a number of things you could do. You could either do with gaseous cloud or you could. Um, fly. Uh, I mean, they can give like you internal power. Jump. Like, jump. You know, like, like a jetpack. They, they're literally yeah. eggs of yeah. devils, you know, like that have been preserved. So I was actually thinking about that too, Daniel, yeah. where it's like, the the eggs that like they give you uh fire resistance yes. or, or something like that because it's deviled eggs yeah, like, or you oh, breathe fire yeah yeah it's, yeah exactly uh well no i thought the fire breathing was through hot peppers and stuff like that oh, i thought okay. that's what we decided yeah 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 okay joy pure unadulterated joy and now we get to do a world building jam oh i'm so i'm i'm sad because this is the last one of the season but you know we'll I'll, I'll, in my heart, I will rejoin them. So it's fine. All right. So the subject that we're doing is. All right. So we're doing an event. And that event is going to be the archetype of. 
tragedy. Oh no. No, I wanted joy, not tragedy. Tragedy. All right, so we've got a tragic event here then. Let's see what we can talk about that. Oh, all right, all right. Okay, this is actually a little bit too easy. Okay, we're, for, we're, we're mostly based in Boston. There is a famous event in Boston, culinary related. Oh, no, I know where you're going with this. Yes, you do. <laughs> the Great Molasses Flood is very well known in Boston circles. And yeah, that's what I wanted. I want to do something like that, but with the Land of a Thousand Spices. Hmm. What would it be? Are we talking global or more localized, kind of like the molasses? We can, keep it, we can keep it to a, a local region, you know, not necessarily contained to just a single city, but definitely to like a continent, you know, or like a country. Let's keep it to a country. Okay. Since you brought up the molasses flood, my first kind of uh, firing was of sugar wraiths. <sighs> Sugar wraiths. <laughs> Powdered sugar wraiths. Oh my God. But we want this to involve the preservers, right? No, we don't necessarily have to do that. Have to. Okay, okay. Because I was thinking like, what if like some preserver factory exploded and like they're preserving goo spilled everywhere, releasing like pickled zombies <laughs> on the land. See, you could have it just be an explosion that happened so fast that people didn't realize they died, and so they became sugar wraiths. <laughs> it became sugar wraiths. Yeah, fuck it. We'll do. We'll do both, huh? We'll we'll Pompeii it. We'll Pompeii it. But landed landed with powdered sugar. It was horrible. Okay, but if we do, if we do both, we could. Okay, so what if it was like some place that has multiple of these things and they explode. Is there like some great uh, candy empire fortress in the center of the world that has our candy, but like has all of the different culinary um, arts and it was exploded. And now there's this wave of all kinds of stuff coming out. Well, no, see, I don't want it to be a constant threat. I want it to basically be a one-off event that okay. happens. Right. And also I don't think it should be sugar. I actually think it should be salt because okay. when it comes to preservation, it should be salt. And also salt explosions are like really fucking scary and dangerous and salt okay. rate kind of meets the look that yeah. i was going for salt yeah rate. exactly that's what i was thinking so we're saying that this whatever this explosion happened or maybe it's or it happened in a local and that's not large it's a local setting and it converted a bunch of people to salt rates as a result yes Okay. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Are they haunting the space? We just we just made salt wraiths a thing, and they're already really scary because they're probably leaving desiccated bodies in their way. Yes, that's what they do. Ooh. Like you know, like vampires drain like your blood. These drain like the salt, not the salt, but like the um the liquids the, from your yeah body. the liquid out of your body, basically. Yes. Oh man! All right, uh, that makes me sad. When, in a setting that I just want to be pure joy. Wait, so I feel like that's probably a good place to stop there. Holy water uh, is a saline solution. What? What? Holy water is a saline solution. It is. <laughs> but can we redeem it? Like, what are the heroes doing to counteract this salt explosion? Like, what's the upside since this setting is supposed to be a hopeful setting? Hmm. Well, I think we kind of made candy people to be a little bit evil, but I think uh, <laughs> yeah. firing some like sugar into the salt wraith might uh, balance them out. <laughs> well, candy sugar is also a desiccant, so I, I don't necessarily <laughs> see how that ah, works. But uh, sugar is also uh, what is it? Hydrophilic, so it brings water to it. Oh, wait, salt does that too. Fuck. <laughs> are, we, are we trying to dissolve the salt is that the goal do you want to dissolve it or do you want to bring balance true yeah that's a good point mm. are we trying to bake with it <laughs> okay so so in a sense the redemption comes from you want the sugar people or the sugar wizards to be like the ones who are like fighting the salt rates. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Like, even though it doesn't make like culinary sense, I like the the concept of sugar versus salt. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's salt versus it's salty versus sweet. So yes. I can see that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's at least acceptable. There's a little bit of redemption there. And it's still like tragic in its own right. Okay. We, and and then, oh man, now you can get into the super edgy characters that are like, I fight the sweet, but I oh no, I fight the salty, but I use sweet. You know, like you get like <laughs> half angel, half dark, half oh demon. My God. Like, like, like every physician character nowadays. Well, I'm understand. a <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Tragic backstory, dual parentage. Seven, like whole... three or four races mixed together. You know? I walk yeah. the line of the balance between salty and sweet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know what? I'm happy with that. I'm I'm, I'm happy Jeez. with my edge case character. They're a That's crack team brought in. A what now? They're a crack team brought in to solve this this assault situation. Okay, that's right. But again, it's the theme is tragedy, and the tragic event is where we're going to leave it. I feel that's probably a good place to stop. I'm still smiling because now I get edge lord characters in my fucking sweet Redwall inspired game. So like, yeah, I'm I'm fine with this. Everything about this is okay. (laughs) Uh, I think I think that's gonna about do it for this episode. By the way, I. I'm I'm so happy that we got to explore some of our favorite settings throughout the year of 2020. I hope this was a good introduction to 2021 because man, fuck 2020. Am I right? Like, damn. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that I'm also really looking forward to is more of your emails and more of your ideas for settings. Cause we have a bunch already lined up and man, they're good ones. They're ones that I'm really excited about exploring And I can't wait to explore the rest of those with you guys for 2021. So remember that if you want to send us those settings and you want to be part of this fun, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build. You can join our community by joining our Discord with a link in the description. Or if you really love our community already and you want to give us money, or if you just want to give us money in general, go ahead and Follow us on Patreon. There's all sorts of goodies in there that I'm not going to get into right now, but you should look at it. It's cool. You know, maybe tempt you a little bit to loosen your purse strings. And in the meantime, remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through 2021 together and we'll see you next time.